0: One.
1: what is up happy football friday football life this is football life presents the audible i am your host randy hammond and we're back for another week preview this is week two i'm joined by my co-host as usual uh fighting through the battle that he's fighting through right now but he's toughing it out for us matt how you doing buddy
0: oh randy you know There's certain stages in life, I'm not going to get into the detail, but I went under the knife on Wednesday, but you know what, we play to win the game, and you leave it all out on the field, so I'm leaving it all out onto the field.
1: That's what I like to see, you know, we're we're former football players at the end of the day, we're talking about a tough game, this is what we got to do, right, we got to tough it out. I don't know why my audio all of a sudden started playing, I... I apologize for the echo there briefly, uh, but we have a whole show planned for today. We're going to recap last night's game, but and we're also going to preview all of the games of Week 2, Matt, in which I don't know if you know this. Our teams play each other this week. I uh, can't wait to get to that game with you in a little bit, and we have some Hall of Fame news. We have new finalists for the Hall of Fame, first-time finalists, and someone last night got surprised with the nod that they are getting in as well. Let's start off with last night. Let's start off. It was the Battle of Ohio. The Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Cleveland, where they allowed fans, 6,000 of them to be exact, taking on the Cleveland Browns. This was an interesting quarterback matchup. Two number one overall picks. Baker Mayfield against Joe Burrow. Matt, give me your quick thoughts on this game right off the top.
0: Glad to see Baker Mayfield show up, um, especially after last week's debacle. Still not a huge fan of the Bengals' defense. It leaves a lot to be desired. And at the end of the day, Joe Burrow thrown 61 times, a very dangerous number for this Bengals offense. I mean, that offensive line's not good enough. So made for an entertaining game, but uh, I wouldn't feel good if I'm a Bengals fan, if my quarterback has to throw 61 times behind that line.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the play calling, not ideal, I wouldn't say. And the fact that you gave Joe Mixon, excuse me, a large contract extension uh, would kind of turn me off. The fact that he had 16 carries for only 46 yards. Um, But Burrow, all things considered, Matt, I thought he looked really good. And I think the future is bright in Cincinnati. Um, he has poise in the pocket. He does things that veteran quarterbacks still struggle to do now. Um, I'm talking just when you feel pressure uh, in a situation where you need to keep your field position, he throws the ball away. Uh, he runs. He's more mobile than I thought he was. He's way more athletic with his feet than I thought he was going to be as well, at least it's the first two games anyway. But I was really impressed with what I saw from Joe Burrow last night, despite being the guy, <laughs> despite having to throw 61 times. Um, it was a bad night. Night for AJ Green, who I know that the Bengals were hoping could come back, but he looked old. He looked kind of washed up. Uh, I don't know if you got to saw a lot of the AJ Green stuff, but he had a, a catch on the sideline called back. He had um, thirteen targets and just three catches for twenty nine yards. Matt, so not a good night for a guy who, you know, used to be one of the best receivers in the league.
0: Yeah, I think unfortunately you're seeing all those injuries, all the nicks and knacks that he's gone throughout the course of his career. The major surgeries, just everything in age, you know, it's hard to see, you know, these guys get old, but AJ Green's been in the league for a while now. And I know the old saying for the NFL is not for long. And really, we see that with running backs, but even wide receivers getting a high volume of receptions, it makes it hard to last in this league. So I think this is the beginning of the end for AJ green. You just see too many things with him. Like the speed's just not there as it used to be the separation. He's losing separation. He still has his hands. He can still catch, but I mean, you lose speed and separation. It makes it hard for a quarterback to throw your way. Yeah.
1: um, And I know we wanted to talk about this quarterback matchup, obviously, which, you know, I, I don't even know if I said the score. I actually remember this one out, but uh, Baker Mayfield did prevail. Uh, he won 35-30, the Cleveland Browns did, over the Cincinnati Bengals. Baker Mayfield didn't play too bad himself uh, against Joe Burrow. He was 16 to 23, 219 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and I thought he looked really good. I thought his balls were coming out with his hand crisp. Uh, I thought he had good mobility. He had good accuracy. Um, all things you didn't see in Week 1 against Baltimore, but you know this is the Bengals' defense we're talking about here, so you kind of expect a bounce-back game for him i will say despite the win for the browns burrow to me was more encouraging because he was asked to do more uh I, I think if burrow was placed in the brown situation with all those weapons and a better offensive line you would see burrow kind of flourish i know i've only seen burrow for two games but i'm all in on joe burrow right now despite that baker's still a good game uh to me um well I, before i get into what i was going to say next uh, matt just tell me what you saw from baker mayfield last night
0: I just saw more poise um, able to see what's in front of him defensively and make the right throws to the right people. Um, First of all, I think Jarvis Landry being nicked up with that hammy definitely affects his ability to spread the ball around that OBJ pass was just one of the prettier passes I've seen from Baker Mayfield in a long time. And then also just, you know, I I didn't feel like he made too many dumb mistakes. There there was one or two there that I kind of shook my head at, but I I thought overall Baker played a pretty decent game.
1: Yeah. I, the mistakes are big with young quarterbacks. I mean, Baker we've seen so often kind of force the ball into situations. He doesn't need to do that. Um, And he, he has, Plenty of weapons to spread the ball around, to. I know Jarvis was nicked up. Um, You mentioned the Odell Beckham Jr. play, and I will say that that play is probably more important for Odell than it was for Baker because Odell has had a stretch now where he hasn't played so well. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. finishes with uh, four receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, watching the stat line, I'm like, okay, cool, he got in the end zone, made a nice play for the touchdown. And I watched the game. He had four for 74 and a touchdown at the start of the third quarter. And then nothing else the rest of the game. And part of that is play calling. The Browns are rushing the ball really well, which I want to talk about coming up here in a second. Um, He had a chance to have like a seven catch, 150 yard, two touchdown game. I mean, there was potential for an even bigger game for Odell. And this game was encouraging, at least to me, that Baker and Odell are trying to work these things out. I don't know. Did you get that sense?
0: Yeah, maybe. I think for me, it's kind of what I expected from Stefanski. I mean, Stefanski is going to run a lot of double tight end sets, and he's really going to put an emphasis on the running game. And with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in your backfield, I don't know why you would try to get away from that. Uh, This is the blueprint, I think, for the Browns to win games is for Odell to, you know, stretch the field, which I think he still can Jarvis Landry will be that, Mm -hmm. you know, underneath possession receiver, but really it's going to depend on the running backs to really drive this offense, which in turn will help protect Baker Mayfield from making, you know, all those interceptions and those dumb throws.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that's the perfect transition to talk about the Brown strong suit, and it is the running game, and for my money, this is the best one-two punch at the running back position of any team in the NFL. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are about, about as good as you're going to get from a one-two punch standpoint, where you could argue Hunt is better than Chubb, um, and Chubb is a really good starting running back uh, in his own right. Um, Nick Chubb finished 22 carries 124 yards two touchdowns on the ground Kareem Hunt 10 carries 86 yards one touchdown on the ground and one receiving touchdown this team is going to go as far as these running backs take them if they can control the ball run the ball with these two guys and limit Baker Mayfield's mistakes the Browns are going to play better football I love that they have this setup when their O-line seemed to be playing better but the Brown the Bengals defense did not offer much resistance but this has to be a good confidence boost for the Browns right Matt
0: Absolutely. And I think especially after that week one trouncing by the Ravens, and I think it was important coming back on a short week after a very physical beating they received from the Baltimore Ravens to come back this week and show life and be able to run the football and be physical. I think it helped them out. I, you know, I don't know if it was me, but I never really felt like this game was in question. I always kind of felt like the Browns were going to win this, but at the end of the day, I give the Bengals a lot of credit defensively yes they're limited but at the same time offensively they put up a fight but it's nice to see Cleveland taking the approach of imposing their will I think there's a lot of mental hurdles this team has to overcome especially from last year so to see Odell kind of get involved more than what he did last year I would say and for the team to establish the run game after Freddie Kitchens just put Baker Mayfield out there to hang himself and it's just It was a rough year. So I think this is an important first step. They got the bad vibes out of Baltimore and hopefully this will be a springboard for them to win some more football games.
1: Yeah, I think Baltimore, all things considered, you know, is a top two team in the NFL this year. So, I mean, maybe we're learning more about the Browns, that they can't compete with the top of the, the elite of the elite. Um, but the Bengals, I don't think are as bad as maybe as we thought, but they are still a team uh, that's rebuilding. So the Browns should take care of business against a team like this. Thanks to the Bengals for covering for me. I did have that bet, uh, <laughs> plus, uh, minus five and a half. Uh, I will say the only defensive play I saw of note in this game, Miles Garrett forced a fumble in the red zone uh, of Joe Burrow with a strip sack. Uh, that's what you pay Miles Garrett to do is make game-changing plays, and that's what he did.
0: Yeah, I'll, overall, I don't think I was disappointed in Miles Garrett, but the overall defense—I mean, like mm-hmm. you, you spent a top-four draft pick on a cornerback who I expected more from. I believe Denzel Ward. And I I just see this defense and it's supposed to be better than this. It wasn't supposed to be like this. And it just really felt like they could have really made a statement by knocking out Cincinnati repeatedly in the first half, not to even make this a game, but they just kept on giving them life. I think if I'm a Browns fan, that's a bigger concern for me is why can't my defense stop a very limited Bengals offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a concern and they did have injuries at corner yesterday, but overall they should be developing a better pass rush than they have been. It's a little disappointing overall for the Browns defense, at least to the start of the season. Let's see if they can improve. Um, One more note from this game. uh, I did mention at the start of the show, they had 6,000 fans in attendance with seats that were not being allowed to use zip line, which that's a lot of effort and time to put that into place. If you ask me, but that did not stop what is known as the dog pound, which are the Cleveland fans from somehow getting into a fight and that once we have the technology here on the Audible to share video, I would love to show you what happened here. But basically, you know, the Browns fans got into a brawl in the stands and one guy really made an impressive effort to not spill his beer. But I'm kind of shocked I saw this in 2020, Matt. <laughs> um, you know I, I, I don't know, I can't imagine you were uh, all that surprised given the state of America now.
0: I mean, it's Ohio, first of all, and my feelings for Ohio are pretty well known amongst our Facebook groups. I think it's one of the worst places in in America, to be honest with you. It's an epitome of just living in hell. So watching that, I mean, it's just Ohio. I mean, these people are just crazy. Like, you got 6,000 fans, and you couldn't keep them separated for a fight. They zip-tied seats so that way people wouldn't move around in the stadium I mean, it's just so idiotic. You know, if you're going to invite fans, don't let them drink. I guess that's the moral of this. Avoid them drinking because when they drink, we're seeing stuff like this happen. And, man, this will not be the first fight we see this year with this pandemic going on. And, honestly, the Cowboys are going to have fans in their stadium this week. And I can only imagine how that's going to go over. So, I don't know, This is just bad ideas all around having fans there.
1: Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what they could have been fighting about. Maybe it was, uh, you know, I, I hope it was against the Bengals fans at least. But, you know, internally during a pandemic, someone could have just said something really dumb and just triggered you when you're drunk. So who knows what they could have been fighting about. It could have been literally anything. So uh, if nothing else, it felt kind of normal, although really dumb at the same time. Uh, all right. One game in the books for week two. We got 15 other games. And Matt, I don't know about you, and I didn't want to wait for it. So we're going to get this game out of the way right off the top here. Game one, we're going to start off with the early games. All these games are at one o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock your time. Um, my New York football giants coming off a loss on Monday night football to the Steelers are going to Chicago to Soldier Field to face your Chicago Bears. And a showdown that has been highly anticipated on this show all season all off season, I should say, Uh, Matt, what do you think of this game right off the top?
0: I think this sets up really well for the bears to have an offensive splurge Um, coming off a strong fourth quarter against the lions. They exploited a few things. I don't think to me, it just feels like the same type of game as the lions, the giants defense, isn't that great. Um, I Darius Lane's is going to be a big key for the Bears defense to stop. I, I, I think the matchups favor the Bears in a lot of areas. My biggest concern is the area where Saquon Barkley versus that Bears front. They couldn't stop Adrian Peterson. So that's a concern of mine. But the Giants offensive line is about 10,000 times worse than the Detroit Lions offensive line. So I, I think everything just sets up. It's Like I kind of predicted with the Lions-Bears game, I thought that game was going to be ugly. I think this game is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be riddled with mistakes. The big thing is, can they get pressure on Daniel Jones? We saw the terrible pick in the red zone from Jones. We saw just the super athletic play by T.J. Watt um, to pick off Daniel Jones. I, I think the Giants have an edge at quarterback, but with that offensive line, you know, Hopefully Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack are healthy and they play this game. It just really sets up well for the Bears, I feel. But uh, this is one of these games where if I'm betting, I'm staying away from Randy. I I hate this matchup as a better because both these teams can go either way.
1: Yeah, for me, um, watching what the Steelers' defense did to the Giants' offensive line – I know the Steelers have one of the best defensive lines in football, but the Steelers – I mean, the, the Bears don't have a bad defense either, and they have some premier pass rushers in the league. So, for me, this is a get-right game for Khalil Mack. You've been very critical of Khalil Mack on this show. Uh, I think this is the game where he tar- starts to turn it around. And if it's not against the Giants' de- offensive line, when is it going to happen for Khalil Mack? He has to dominate this game for you uh, if you want to win And I think, you know, ultimately he will because the Giants – Aren't going to have an offensive lineman, or even have the scheme to properly block him. I don't think there is a way you can properly block him when he's on right. Um, but that said, I kind of want to see how Daniel Jones adjusts to that because he did play well. He made some plays with his feet against that elite Steelers defense. Um, but I just feel like the the Bears defense almost has more talent from top to bottom. I think the Steelers can be picked on in certain areas of the secondary and certain areas of their linebacker core, where the Bears from defensive line all the way back to the secondary have a very complete defense um i think this is going to be a very ugly game offensively um even on the Bears' standpoint i don't think the giants defense is good although they came to play last week so i'm a little bit more optimistic on the giants defense if mitch shows up then it will be a long day i don't know if i trust mitch trubisky to make this a blowout i do think it's going to be one of the more uglier <laughs> offensive games uh, you're going to see this weekend uh, Saquon Barkley been heavily criticized all week for his blocking ability. I do think he has a bounce back game. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what kind of game we're talking about here. I hope they involve him a little bit more in the passing game. That's really the only way you're going to make him more effective because the running game just is not there right now. I can't imagine you're going to get much of a push against the Bears' defensive line. Um, I want to see um, how Darius Slayton does do because now there's more eyes on him, and looks like Golden Tate's going to be out once again. So you know it's going to be easier for the Bears to focus on him and Evan Ingram. I need a better game from Evan Ingram. <laughs> I need, he can't play much worse than he played that Monday Night Football game. So Evan Ingram, I need to see a little bit more from you. Stop, maybe stop trying to put in situations to block. He's not a blocking tight end. He's a receiver. Put him out in the slot. Maybe that'll help him make some plays. Um, but I'll get your final prediction here, Matt. My official prediction for this game is going to be ugly, like I said. Uh, I'm going go to go 20-13 to Bears.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way there, Randy. I, I I'm gonna go twenty to seventeen Bears here. I just think the Bears defense will get that last stand. So it's I'm nervous, not gonna lie, I don't love this game, but bear down. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: one also prediction for this game, I think Cleo is gonna have five sacks in this game.
0: Leo Mack has five sacks. The Bears are going to win 35-3. to
1: That's how little faith I have in the Giants offensive line. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll I'll take those five sacks. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm so confident in that that line, as you can tell. All right. The next game we are going to go to, and I don't have this right in my rundown, but we're going to go with it anyway. Uh, Actually, I do have this right in my rundown. We're going to go to Dallas. We're two 0-1 teams battling it off, battling it out for their first one of the season. The Atlanta Falcons against the Dallas Cowboys. Both these teams kind of underwhelming. Dallas, especially, I had a lot more expectations for the Cowboys here, um, but I kind of like this matchup. It should be a really good game, Matt. What do you think?
0: I I, I love this game a lot. I think this is actually an upset special, I think the Falcons win this game, Mm. actually, because I think Mm. they're going to pick on that Dallas secondary with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. I think we saw Seattle's secondary, which is vastly better than the Cowboys, stand up, but if Matt Ryan goes off again, and legit, the Falcons have three weapons. I I can't remember the third wide receiver who had a big game. Rage, I think, was his last name. Um, But, yeah. Russell Gage. Russell Gage. Okay, there we go. Yeah, if it just spells disaster for the Cowboys secondary.
1: Yeah. And I uh, should note Leighton Vander Esch was put on the IL um, today with a, um, a collarbone injury. So they don't have one of their best defensive player. One of their best defensive players, I should say, which he had injury issues all last year. We saw how that affected them then. Um, it is a bad matchup. I think the Falcons are going to score a ton of points. I just don't have any faith in the Falcons defense to stop the Cowboys either. So I think this is going to be the opposite of a bears giants situation. It's going to be a very high scoring game. Um, the, the Cowboys need to show me that they can actually score. I mean, I think the, Fal- the Rams defense offers more resistance than the Falcons defense. We saw what Seattle did to Atlanta last week. I think the Cowboys can do something similar. I think they're more balanced and they're better offensive line. I mean, Zeke's going to go off in this game, I think. Um, Amari Cooper limited, so there's no Cooper. You're going to see a lot of C.D. Lamb and a lot of uh, Michael Gallup, which I'm still fine with. I want to see how the Cowboys adjust. No Blake Jarwin, but regardless, I think Zeke is the difference maker in this game and otherwise uh, a high-scoring contest. This game's going to end up in the 30s somehow. I'm going to go 38-34. Uh, Dallas, Matt, what's your final prediction?
0: I'm going to go 32-27, to 27, Atlanta.
1: It would be bad if the uh, Cowboys started 0-2 this year, considering all of the hype around that team. Um, But I'm all for it. Sign me up. (laughs) Uh, An NFC North matchup now. uh, Moving on. It is the Lions, who blew a three-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Their friend Leon Tompkins came on the show earlier this week. Uh, Going to the Packers in Green Bay, who looked like one of the best teams in the sport last week. I mean, this looks this looks like a disastrous start of the season for the Lions, Matt. Uh, you think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to keep rolling here?
0: Yeah, this is a classic case of an overmatched defense going against the Hall of Fame quarterback, and it is going to be absolutely horrific what Aaron Rodgers does to them. Um, real quick, Randy, I'm just going to give you the score because I don't think much needs to be said about this game. I honestly, I, it's, it's going to be like 38 to 10, Green Bay. It, it's going to be over quick. <laughs>
1: I'm so sorry, Leon. Um, I just need—I just want to know if the Lions have any spine, if they have any backbone, if they can come back and show, like, yeah, we blew the game, but we're not about that. We're going to come back and, and show that we have a heart. And if that's the case, you know, come out and punch the Packers in the mouth. Maybe not win, but at least be competitive. Uh, for Leon's sake, I hope you don't lose in a heartbreaking fashion. But I tend to agree with you. I don't think Matt Patricia has a spine. I think he is a coward. I think he's soft. I think he coaches. He's a bad coach for his team. Uh, ultimately, I do think the Packers win this game, uh, and it's not really that close. I won't say it's a blowout quite like that. I'll say that they have the, the game in hand for the most of the time and they end up winning by 10. I'm going to go 31-21 Green Bay.
0: And that's a lot of faith in, faith in that uh, Lions offense. Is Galladay coming back this game?
1: I'm unsure about that, actually. I, I, I can look that up really quick. But uh, I know he's been limited all week.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Galladay isn't playing, I mean, I, I I like the Packers defense a little bit, but um, I I don't know, man. That's eh, maybe they get some garbage points if Galladay doesn't play. I don't like that 21 points.
1: So he's limited today in practice due to his hamstring, which if you miss a Friday practice, typically it means that you're you know, in danger of missing the game. So I would expect no Galladay. But, um, you know, I, I kind of like Wes a little bit from the Detroit offense. So I think maybe they have a chance to at least score some garbage time points, which that's ultimately what that 21 would end up being. So, all right, moving on to Tennessee. Believe it or not, Matt, this game here, this AFC South matchup here, from the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans is the only Week Two matchup at one o'clock that features two one and teams facing each other, and it features the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am shocked; uh, it is unbelievable to me um, that the Jags are here and, and, and undefeated, and the Titans came off that ugly win on Monday Night Football. Um, but you know, this game really doesn't interest me all that much. Uh, what about you?
0: No, our good friend Vince Mercandetti gets this game as opposed to the Giants Bears games because he lives in Florida and. He gets to watch this uh, slugfest that we're going to have. I mean, if you like defensive football and just Tennessee is going to win this game, let's just be clear about this, but it's not going to be one of those games where it's just like highly entertaining and a well-played game. I I can't see Tennessee losing this game. The Colts have issues that I thought they cleaned up. Um, Phillip Rivers throwing interceptions doesn't help. This game sets up perfectly for Tennessee. I I just don't think the Jacks are going to be able to do anything.
1: Yeah, I think Tennessee uh, ends up winning pretty big here because I just don't trust Jacksonville. Uh, Like you said, Indy's got some issues. But, you know, Tennessee, I think, is going to run all over the Jacksonville. I just don't think that Indy was as committed to the run as they should have been. Tennessee, if nothing else, is committed to the run. I mean, they ran Derrick Henry 31 times. They still threw the ball more than I would have liked. But... Tennessee's just a better football team. They have a better defense than Indianapolis does right now. I don't think that's even close. So uh, I do think Tennessee wins this game, and I think they, they kind of just handle them pretty pretty easily. I think it's going to be, you know, 24 to 10. I mean I think it's going to be kind of a time game here.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with your score there. I I think this sets up well for them to score a bunch of touchdowns on the ground, and I just mm-hmm. don't think Jacksonville can keep pace.
1: Yeah. I just want to address a comment here from Henry Maldonado, Jr., our fearless leader, who asks, where's all the Patricia hate coming from? And I, a simple Google search shows that Matt Patricia's record as the Detroit Lions head coach is 9-23-1. So that is where I'm going to end that. <laughs> Moving on to uh, two disappointing teams of week one, the Minnesota Vikings at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I expected the, the both of these teams to win their first week, uh, their week one matchups. And they did not. Um, both of these teams, uh, especially the Vikings, I think are primed for a disaster season after that, which team is it going to be mad? Is this a must win for either of them?
0: It, it's a must win for the Vikings because they lose this one. You're probably going to be staring up at the bears and the uh, Packers when two games in front of you. And obviously they struggle to beat the Packers. Uh, I'm going to give a slight edge here to probably both these teams have to win this game. You don't want to be 0-2 in the AFC South looking up at Tennessee because those are hard games to win, especially when you have to go to Tennessee. Um, yeah, to me it's a dead heat for who's this more who this is more important for. I like the Colts just for the home field advantage, but this is another game if I'm betting I'm staying away from
1: Yeah, I have no idea what to expect from this game, to be honest with you, because both of these teams really disappointed me. Week one, Minnesota just absolutely laid an egg against the Packers, in which I expected them to to play better than they did. Between Danielle Hunter and Unique Ngakwe, they really didn't rush the pass. They didn't rush Rodgers really at all. So uh, I have a hard time believing that they're going to get much pressure on Rivers, considering the Colts' offensive line is better than the Packers' offensive line, and I don't think it's even by a small margin. So um I'm just going to give the edge to the home team here just because I, I, this game really is a toss-up to me. Like you said, if you're a gambling man, I would not touch this game. But I think the Colts win 23-20 to 20 here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see 21-20. I could see a late field goal winning this game from either side. But like you said, um, I, I don't think more than three points separates the loser from the winner in this game. And I'm just going to go with the home team because usually mm-hmm. you want to give that advantage to the home team even though a weird season with no fans. So maybe home field doesn't matter because the Vikings got their head stomped in against the Packers. So, but I'm going to go Indy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I just This game just feels weird to me. I, mean, I don't get a good buy from either of these teams coming off of week one. Um, all right. We're going to move on to another week. We have a bunch of – another week we like 12 week one uh, – one o'clock games I should say. Uh, it's a lot of early games this week as well. Uh, This one's even more – the most forgettable game, I think, of the week. And it's – the Bills traveling to Miami to face the Dolphins. The AFC East I just have not a whole lot of interest in in general. But the Bills rolled the Jets last week. The Dolphins didn't really show up that much against the Patriots. This feels like a Bills blowout to me. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, until the Dolphins make a commitment to put in Tua Taga – Tua, I'll just call him Tua. I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name right now. But until the Dolphins decide (laughs) to put in Tua – I am not touching the dolphins. I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know what he is. It's not Fitz magic. It's a lot of struggling and seeing if he can put anything together, but um, I'm, I'm going to take the bills this one. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout because going to Miami is tough for a lot of teams. I mean, it's hot and it's humid and you're just not used to that type of weather, especially coming from a place like Buffalo, but I think mm-hmm. Buffalo gets the win, but it's going to be a narrow margin of victory.
1: I apologize for the technical difficulties there, Matt. Thanks for powering through there. Uh, I think I have those resolved, but you know, I don't know. I, I get that this a divisional matchup, and the and the heat could really affect that, which is what we saw with the um, with the Colts last week going down to Jacksonville. I think the heat really did affect them a little bit, um, but I just think Buffalo is too good to let this team compete with them. And I mean, maybe I'm putting too much faith in Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's coming off statistically what is the best game of his career with 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. So I think the bills roll in this game. And I think the ceiling, like the role for the bills is like 28 to 13. So I, I'm going to go with 28, 13 Buffalo.
0: Yeah. I don't see them scoring that many points. I'm going to go 17 to 13 Buffalo.
1: All right. Yeah. I mean, it's not that unrealistic to me that Buffalo can't score because Josh Allen still is the quarterback. So it uh, makes sense to me. Okay. This game uh, isn't happening in New York, but the banged up 49ers team traveling to uh, not New York, I should say, New Jersey to, to play the New York Jets, who is who are looking like just one of the worst teams in the NFL who are missing uh, Jamison Crowder in this game, their number one target for Sam Darnold, and Le'Veon Bell is put on the IR. This game feels like it's just going to be a slaughter, even with all the 49ers' problems. Uh, can you convince me that the Jets are even going to be competitive in this game? No, no,
0: I've, I have nothing for you. It it's, it's, Sam Darnold's going to look like crap, they're going to sack him a bunch of times. I mean, I, if my best advice, Jacob, um, we love you, don't watch this game. Just make other plans. Watch the NBA playoffs. Be much more entertaining than watching the Jets get their brains beat in. And, I mean, this game is going to be ugly from the get-go. The Jets don't have a snowball's chance in hell in this game.
1: <laughs> I just want to put some respect on uh, the Miami quarterback's name since you uh, are incapable of saying it. I just want to say it's Tua Tungavailoa. So, just that's for Henry and and, and Corey in the, the comment
0: I, section. I, I, I do
1: have to say, I, I am currently on medication, so <laughs> – Cut me some slack here, people. <laughs> Maybe when he's a starter, you will start putting respect on the name. How about that? Um, but that's just how forgettable this Jets 49ers game is. It's going to be a disaster for the Jets. Um, the only bright spot of that game was Marcus May, the safety who's kind of taken over Jamal Adams' spot. He played a good game against Buffalo, but you need more than just a safety who played well. And, you know, the night when Henry said um, 300 yards. Uh, for the Niners on offense, which I could totally see them racking up 300 rushing yards. Um, The Jets just are not going to offer any resistance. And, um, yeah, I just think this game is going to end up being Niners, 41, Jets, maybe 10, but probably just seven.
0: I'm going to go 49ers, 38, Jets, three. I I just think (laughs) it's... I mean, if you own a 49ers running back in fantasy this week, it is a hell of a week to start them. I don't care if it's Mostert, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, just play them because they are going to rush all over the Jets, especially after what Buffalo did to them.
1: Right. And even if George Kittle plays, which I guess is still up in the air, uh, I still don't even think the Jets are going to have a chance in this game. Uh Kittle, I think they should just sit in and let him rest and let him get better for you know an actual competitive game, which if they have the Giants next week. Like, I think they do. Maybe they rest them for two weeks. I don't know. Uh, but the receiver situation for San Francisco is not that great. Uh, just play all the running backs, like you said. It's going to be ball control. Don't play Jimmy G. He's not going to throw the ball all that much. It's just going to be ball control and Niners dominance in this game. I have no doubt about that. Okay. So, we're moving on now. So, a game – I mean, all these games would be more competitive than that one, but definitely a more competitive game. The Los Angeles Rams traveling to Philly to take on a beat-up Eagles team uh, who completely blew a game against the Washington football team last week. Um, I kind of like the Rams here. Uh, Even traveling to the East Coast, I'm surprised I'm saying that because I was so down on them in the offseason. But um, the Eagles really just kind of showed me that they are not ready for this year, although they're going to get Lane Johnson back, which would be a huge boost for the offensive line. Miles Sanders is going to play. I don't know. Do you
0: have any uh, hope for the Eagles here? It's going to be crazy when the Washington football club still in first place after week two. Oh um, man. Oh man. Aaron Donald against that offensive line. It's I, man, yeah, I take a look at the Eagles I don't, I don't see it. I don't know where they're going to get the offense from. And that's why I try not to put too much stock into week one, because usually teams will come back with better game plans But I I think the talent level is negligible here, and the best player on the field is going to be Aaron Donald. So when it comes to situations like that, I'm going to take the best player that will be on the field, and I'm going to take the Rams in a very tight squeaker type of game.
1: Yeah, um, that's interesting, too, because the other best player in this game, I would argue, is Jalen Ramsey, who typically shadows a team's number one receiver. But who is that for Philly? Um, Is it Jalen Rigor, the rookie? Is it Deshaun Jackson? Is he going to play? Um, to me, I could see Jalen Ramsey covering Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard uh, because the tight ends are really the playmakers for this Philly offense. So, I want to see this game for the Rams. Aaron Donald's going to be a – he might kill Carson Wentz in this game. Like, Carson Wentz might, might legitimately die this weekend. So, prayers for Carson Wentz in case that happens. But I tend to think the Rams are going to win this one. I think they have a better offensive structure. I like their system more. I just think they have uh, – more talent all around than the Eagles do. So I'm going to go Rams, 27, Philly. I'm going to give them – they're going to be kind of ugly here because I think you see them moving the ball and settling for field goals. So I'll say 27 to 18.
0: I'm going to go Rams, 17, Eagles, 9.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Philly is going to struggle offensively for you and probably for all season, to be honest um all right two more one o'clock games to get through here we have the denver broncos who lost the late game on Monday night football uh, on a late game field goal against the steelers who beat up on my giants uh i typically don't like a team from the west traveling to the east which we already talked about one of those kind of games but this game is going to be much more competitive and i think drew lock's going to find to get his first real test against the steelers defense
0: to me, it hinges on, is Cortland Sutton going to play this game? I mean, obviously, I think he's still listed as questionable. Without him, this offense just isn't the same. And even with him, I don't know if there's a path to victory for them. Uh, the Steelers are magnificent against quarterbacks that are fairly young because they mix up their coverages. They play really good defense. Their blitzes come from all different places. I think it's really going to be hard for Drew Locke to find success against this defense. Um For my money, I think the Steelers belong in one of those top two defensive spots. Um, The 49ers didn't help my belief in them being one or two, but the Steelers may be number one, actually, when I sit down and really think about it, along with the Bills being really good defensively. So I, I just don't give much hope here. The travel, everything about this game just screams go Steelers for the win.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as defenses go, it's hard to have a better front seven than what Pittsburgh has. Uh, it's I just don't I don't know. I I like Denver a lot, and I like Drew Locke a lot, but I feel like I mean Tennessee is good defensively, and he still played well against them. But traveling to Pittsburgh, and we did say you know home field advantage doesn't might not mean as much. Um, but right now, Cortland Sutton is labeled questionable, and if no Cortland Sutton again. I think they're going to struggle. I think Melvin Gordon's going to have a bad game. I mean, you saw what the what the Steelers did to Saquon Barkley. He had 15 carries for six yards. Um, I think we would all agree that Saquon Barkley is about better running back than Melvin Gordon is. So I can't imagine that Denver's going to have much success moving the ball at all. I, I like Denver's defense a little bit, but not nearly as much as I like Pittsburgh's offense. I just feel like, like you said, this has all the ingredients to be uh, a Steelers win and a pretty comfortable one too. So what do you got for the score for this game?
0: I'm going to take 24-10, uh, Pittsburgh.
1: All right. Uh, I'm going to go something similar to that, but I'm going to say 27-16, to Pittsburgh. And, th- I mean, that's basically the same score they had against the Giants, except for one more game uh, – one more point, I should say. So and that's I honestly giving more points than I should give to the Broncos. But, oh, well. Steelers win in, in, in their home opener. And the last 1 o'clock game we're going to talk about is another – Divisional matchup this time in the NFC South. Two teams that we had a different way, different expectations for, and then it's kind of a surprising result for both of them. Uh, the Panthers came out and played a really entertaining game against the Oakland Raiders, dropping 30 points in Matt Rule's coaching debut, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers laying an absolute egg against the New Orleans Saints uh, in their primetime game last week. I just. You know that the Bucks don't. If the Bucks are not careful here, this could be a trap game for them because I really like the way the Panthers played in Week One. Ultimately, I do think the Bucks have a lot more talent than the Panthers, so I'm still leaning Bucks in this game. What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I'm leaning Bucks just because I don't think the Panthers are good. I think the Raiders traveling to the East Coast. You know, had a little bit to do with it. I'm still not in love with the Raiders' defense, but I do like the Bucks' defense here. I, Panthers' defense just there's not enough defensive players to stop all those playmakers. We saw Josh Jacobs run for three touchdowns, have almost over 140 total yards. Um, I just think with the tight end position being so much better for the Bucks, and then having Evans and Godwin. Um, I I just think Tampa Bay runs away with this one. I don't think that there's no chance I give the Panthers of winning this game.
1: Well, I I will put a little wrench into your plans here. Um, Mike Evans has been limited in practice all week with an injury, um, with a hammy injury. And then Godwin is actually in the concussion protocol. So he has been limited in practice all week too. So there is a chance that they might not have met Evans or Godwin. It seems like Evans is more likely to play than Godwin, but, They both seem like they want to play, but but the concussion protocol, it's hard to know for sure. Um, Godwin says he's okay, but you never really know with that. If those guys are out, (laughs) Uh, it's going to have to be more Gronk. It's going to have to be a lot of O.J. Howard, uh, Scotty Miller. If you haven't picked him up in fantasy like I did, then, you know, you better get on that because he might not be there anymore. Um, But, you know, this could be the Ronald Jones breakout game for me, especially if one of those guys is gone. But I need to see Tom Brady look a little bit better. Tom Brady looked pretty bad. I don't know. Like, I just I don't love what I saw from Tom Brady. So I, I kind of think this game's going to be kind of close.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I just wonder: Are they going to go three tight ends? Because I I still think they have Cameron Bray, who's yeah, very underrated. So yeah. you got Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Bray. You can create a lot of mismatches with that. Brady loves his tight ends. I'm going to give Brady a mulligan on that first game. You know, probably had a lot of nerves not playing with Belichick and having the other team's defensive signals. Had to have hurt him a little bit. So, um, I, I say Bucks win here, and I'm going to go Bucks win 17 to 13.
1: Wow. That is an ugly game here. Um, I'm going to say they win, but it's going to be – at the skin of their teeth. Uh, I'm going to say they win 21-20, and uh, they might even need a late-game touchdown.
0: Yeah, those late-game touchdowns, they're definitely going to need at least one of those to really get through this game, I think, because without those late-game touchdowns, Brady has to get better, and I just – I'm not sure if he's there. Um, So that is going to be a huge impact. um the leader game. of the
1: NFC,
0: what's that? Oh, well, we lost you there, Randy, so. Um, oh. Yep, yeah, we had to keep going. We, we talked about a late-game touchdown for the Bucks winning the game, and I kind of agreed that they, they'll need a late-game touchdown to win it as well.
1: Okay, well, I don't think I missed that much, though. That's weird. All right, well, now we got uh, the two first-place teams in their division. At least one of them's tied. But Washington football team, the leader of the NFC East, traveling to the Arizona to face the Cardinals. I love what Washington's defensive line did to Philly last week, but I feel like Kyler Murray is a bigger problem to, to, to contain than Carson Wentz is at this point in his career. Uh, what do you make of this game?
0: I am going to go with the – so. strangely enough, I'm, I'm going to go Washington here. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I think you pay for not having a good offensive line. I think the 49ers – When they lost Buckner, I think it hurt a lot more than what it may appear to be. So they weren't able to really get a whole lot of pressure on Kyler Murray. But with Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, I I think the Cardinals are going to struggle here, you know, especially as they take time to develop plays. DeAndre Hopkins, he may get a lot of catches, but I just – so, so someone tells me, Randy, do not sleep on Washington in this game. Defense travels.
1: Look, the only thing I'm not going to overlook Washington on is their their front. Um, you cannot underestimate a team with a good pass rush. I am a Giants fan. I know that better than anyone. Uh, they won. They stole two Super Bowls from the Patriots dynasty because they had a great pass rush. Like, I understand the, the value in a great pass rush. Um, with that said, there's not really any other position group on the field for them that I love all that much. Um, it's pass rush or nothing. I don't love their offense. I don't love, like, their weapons are not that great to me right now. I just think the Cardinals have more talent, especially, like, I think they're better on defense than we want to give them credit for as well. I understand the offensive line's concerns with the Cardinals, um, but Kyler Murray looked really good to me last week, and the 49ers defense still pretty good, and he still played really well, and I think Murray and Hopkins and, you know, Kingsbury are going to do enough offensively to get the win here. I do think they'll score less points, but I just don't trust the Washington football team besides their pass rush, which I understand is a big part of the game, but I just don't trust them on the offensive side of the ball at all.
0: I, see, I think there's a couple of things that happen. I mean, if the 49ers have, had a quarterback and a wide receiver, they win that game. I mean, it's it's really – I know it's not easy to find quarterbacks, but Jimmy Garoppolo looked awful. I mean, he, he didn't look good that game. I think most 49 ers fans would admit that. They, they didn't get the run game going nearly the way that they should have. So I take that more of an indictment on them. I just I have to believe if Philly has a better offensive line than the Arizona Cardinals and Washington was able to wreak havoc, if, if there were fans in the stadium – I would give the Cardinals – I would say, yes, Cardinals easily because that limits the pass rush. When you have pass rushers that don't have to worry about noise and can get off at the same time as offensive linemen, when the ball snaps, it, it's it's a big difference. I, I think it plays a huge factor, and that's why I'm going to go the Washington Football Club here, and I'm going to take them – I'm going to go Washington 16, and I'm going to go the Cardinals 13.
1: If, if the Washington defense is as good as, you know, we think it is or it could be, they're only going to win this game is if they can they can keep Arizona to less than 10 points. And I don't know if that's really possible. I just don't – unless they score a defensive touchdown, I just don't love their offense at all. Philly's defense banged up. Uh, I just I just don't see it. And, you know, I do think it will be a close game, but ultimately I do think Arizona is a better football team. So uh, I will say Arizona 19 and Washington 10. Uh, I just don't think they're going to score a whole lot of points, but I think they're going to really be competitive in this game, and I think it'll be a good one.
0: Well, um, um, apparently there's calls for a drug test on me, so. <laughs> uh,
1: that's a homer That's a homer talking in the comments. Oh, yes, concern. of course. It's our friend Corey Decker, the resident <laughs> Arizona Cardinals fan. It's okay. The, Car- uh, the Cardinals could totally lose this game, Corey. I would not be shocked if they did. Um, all right, now for the best team in the NFL playing a divisional matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers going to the SoFi Stadium for the first time. We're going to get SoFi every week with two teams playing there. This is great. I love this place. Uh, but we're getting the Kansas City Chiefs for the first time since kickoff night, and I'm excited to watch them face the Chargers. And just brittle me this in the scenario. Can you see the Chiefs going up 10 nothing, and Tyrod Taylor managing a comeback on the Chiefs? Because I can't.
0: I well, I mean, they're going to be up 14 to nothing before the end of the first quarter. So right. the the answer is no. I think <laughs> God without Derwin James and Joey Bosa is going to have to have like 20 sacks this game for, for this one to be competitive. I mean, well, that's not fair. Cause I'm not giving credit to Ingram either. I, the chargers have a, a good pair of pass rushers, but that secondary is yeah. trash. And if they give Mahomes any amount of time, this game is just going to be out of reach too fast.
1: I don't even think the secondary is atrocious. I mean, Casey Hayward is good. Chris Harris is good. But Derwin James really is a difference maker for them. But they're not good enough to stop the Chiefs from scoring points, you know. (laughs) Just not good enough for that. I don't know who is good enough for that.
0: I I maybe Pittsburgh. I mean Pittsburgh's one of those intriguing teams where you know they might yeah. make it problematic. But like I said, I've never been more confident in a 16 and 0 season than I than I am now. <laughs> I mean, granted I didn't predict the Patriots to go 16 and 0, but um uh-huh. you know, I mean, you can't count yeah. for cheating. But no, I I think the Chiefs here just exploit so many matchups. It's going to be incredibly difficult for San Diego to even keep keep pace. I mean, by the time – Tyrod Taylor is going to have to throw the ball 60 times this game, and that just spells disaster. I mean, I don't – Yeah. I, oh God, I don't even think we need to spend much time on this one either.
1: No, and I will just say the Chiefs do play Baltimore, which might be the other team who could give them issues. But, um, yeah, this game to me is not going to be very close. If Tyrod throws the ball 60 times, that's a good thing. Good good for my Keenan Allen stock in fantasy, at least in theory. Uh, he would get some targets there, maybe some some garbage time uh, success, which I will happily accept. But this feels like Chiefs um, – sorry I thought I got a phone call. This feels like um, the Chiefs are going to win big here. They're going to win like 44 to maybe 17, I'll give the Chargers, in garbage time.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go Chiefs, uh, 35, and I'm gonna go the Chargers 10. I just I I don't see enough offensive weapons here, and the Chiefs won't even bother kicking a field goal.
1: Yeah, um, this is the downside of using your phone for this thing. By the way, you get a phone call randomly in the middle of the show. So uh, thanks for dealing with us through all of this, guys. Uh, so now the other best team in the in the league in the AFC or Traveling to Houston to face the Texans in a battle of one of the best quarterback matchups in the league in 2020. It's Deshaun Watson and the Texans taking on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Another game that feels, you know, it's a good matchup on paper, but probably going to end up in a blowout, right?
0: Yeah. The Texans are going to score garbage points, but um, yeah, the Ravens win this game. I, I don't think there's much of a question in it. Baltimore has a better defense. They have a better running game. Um I mean, heck, they might even have better receivers at this point, too, mm-hmm. along with their tight end. So, yeah, th- there's not much of a hope. I mean, for Texans fans, realistically, you got to start looking at this season like, all right, where can we get a top ten pick? Because that's what you need for this team, because they have to get a playmaker desperately. But, um, yeah, but Baltimore, I-, I say Baltimore wins this one 28-17
1: similar thought process for me. Cause I'm, I'm going to go 30 to 17. I think that Ingram and Dobbins just run all over this defense, just like Clyde Edwards, you did. And I think it's just going to be a long, another long day for Deshaun Watson and a string of a, a long games equating to an even longer season for him. So uh, Baltimore rolls and, you know, we're looking good for a Baltimore uh, Kansas city clash in an AFC championship game, but maybe I'm getting ahead of myself there. Uh, <laughs> so now we got the two primetime games to discuss here quickly. Um, which this is a rematch of Super Bowl 48, if I, my Roman numerals are correct, um, but it's the Patriots and the Seahawks. Russell Wilson against a Tom Brady-less New England Patriots, but Cam Newton now for the Patriots, but Bill Belichick said something that we've been saying all all, all preseason here that Russell Wilson is severely underrated and that he is the be, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best quarterback in the league. Is Bill Belichick actually speaking facts here, or is he just talking up an opponent before a game?
0: No, oh, no, he's speaking facts. I, I don't think anybody with two eyes, or even one eye, or no eyes, you know, if you just if you can just listen, you know, Russell Wilson's yeah. one of the top three quarterbacks in this league. <laughs> I mean, talk about matchups this is a really interesting matchup for both teams because you may say the best part of New England's defense is their secondary and the best part about Seattle's offense is their wide receivers so mm-hmm. I am going to be enthralled in this matchup. I don't I don't think this is a walk away for either team, but no. I am really pumped up. I think this is a Sunday night game where you set, you sit down and you enjoy it because it's going to be a fun game to watch.
1: You're getting your guy DK Metcalf uh, against Stefan Gilmore, which is going to be a battle and you know, I don't think DK is one of the best wide receivers in the league by any any aspect, but he is a big physical receiver, and I think Stephon Gilmore is a big physical corner. So I think that will be a hell of a matchup, and I'm really excited for. Um, but I want to see if the Seattle defense can get off the field against the Patriots because I think Belichick is working up a game plan where it's going to be a heavy rushing attack, ball control, keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. And I – you know, Seattle's defense played pretty well, better than I thought they were going to play, but still – leaves a lot to be desired so it's got to be jamal adams or it's going to be a long day for that seattle defense um what do you think that that matchup looks like as far as the Pats' offense against seattle d I,
0: I like the seattle defense here i think cam newton can't exploit them the way that um matt ryan did in atlanta yeah they, they don't have the receivers i mean let's just get that out of the way right now they're not going to get 300 three 100 yard receivers So I think this actually matches up pretty well for Seattle's defense. It's right up their wheelhouse. Their linebackers are really good. The secondary, Jamal Adams, going to be able to step up into the box. They're going to be able to bring them on some exotic blitzes. I really, really like this matchup for Seattle. So I'm going to give the edge to Seattle on the defense versus the Pats offense.
1: Yeah, I love this Carroll-Belichick matchup. Every time they play each other, it always seems like they're classic games uh, and really well-coached games. Obviously, these two guys are legends and probably both future Hall of Famers. So, uh, really looking forward to this game. Um, Let me hear your score map. I think I'm going to go Seahawks. I mean, they're home without the 12th man, which is going to be weird because that is one of the largest um, venues in the entire league. Um, But, uh, you know, I think Seattle wins 17-14. to
0: It's almost like you're reading my mind here, Randy. Uh, <laughs> just to break uh, out of that, I'm, I'm going go to go 20-17 to here, Seattle, on a DK Metcalf game-ending touchdown.
1: Okay, a little drop-in-the-bucket action just like last week.
0: Oh, yeah, and, you know, I, I don't think we're putting enough respect on DK Metcalf. Granted, I do like Stephon Gilmore, but DK Metcalf by the end of this
1: year is going to be a top-10 wide receiver in this league. I think DK Metcalf hit the jackpot by getting drafted to the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Uh, Don't roll your eyes at me because you know it's true. I mean, there's some good situations to be drafted in the NFL, and that is one of them.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Seattle recognizes playmakers, and they drafted a playmaker.
1: (laughs) Seattle does some quirky things in the draft, and most of the time they work out. So, who am I to judge? Um, All right, Monday Night Football. I worked for ESPN. I would play that jingle that's always stuck in my head, but I do not work for ESPN. (laughs) Correct. Uh, The New Orleans States traveling to the new oakland raiders oakland raiders i should get put a quarter in a bucket every time just like use every time you say san diego the las vegas raiders debuting their new brand new stadium radiant stadium i believe it's called it looks like a Roomba machine uh and it also looks like a trampoline from the aerial view. so it's kind of they're going for the black hole look and i think they got it um uh, but this game's super interesting to me uh your first thoughts your first quick thoughts on the saints going to las vegas
0: I like the Raiders. I like the Raiders a lot here, Randy. Uh, Josh Jacobs. I I love Josh Jacobs. I, I'm i sold on Josh Jacobs as a running back, that power, Gruden style type. To me, I, I worry about the Raiders because even though we talked about they went to the East Coast to play the Panthers, they won 34-30, to 30, but there seems to be something missing, and it's still the pass rush that's missing, and I still feel like Derek Carr leaves too many plays out there. It's just mm-hmm. like I, I, I understand Gruden's – I guess I would say consternation of just anointing Derek Carr as his quarterback, even though it's kind of like they're stuck in this situation with each other. But I, I really, really, really do like the Raiders in this matchup because it kind of sets up well, the, the saints um, strength is their pass defense with the pass rush. And I think the Raiders offense is their strength is running the football with their offensive line, pushing that defensive line backwards and really getting on the attack mode. So I, I, I don't think it looks like a Roomba machine, but you know what? It's a beautiful stadium. It looks gorgeous. It kind of has that eternal flame there from the old Oakland Raiders stadium. So I I really like Oakland here. I'm sorry. I don't like Oakland. I like Las Vegas. So we're going to make
1: a rule now that every time we call a team the wrong thing, whether it be Oakland, San Diego, the Redskins, we're going to put a quarter in a bucket and see how much money we got at the end of the year. Cause I am feeling like we're going to do that a lot. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> well, going to be a lot of laundry money for me at the end of the year. Um, so yeah. The thing about this is like, I do like the Raiders because one of the most important pieces of the saints is gone. Michael Thomas is put on the IR. He's going to miss three weeks. How are the Saints going to do without one of their main targets, one of their best chain moving playmakers? You know, I don't think Michael Thomas is like – an elite, elite legend of the game by any means, but he means a hell of a lot to the rate of the Saints. And Drew Brees is, he's like the target monster for Drew Brees. He moves the change. He's a possession wide receiver, but you need to move the change. You need to get first downs. So this is going to be a heavy Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray game to me. And I want to see how Emmanuel Sanders looks. I don't love any of the other weapons for the Saints offensively, but I do love their offensive line. I think they'll be able to move the ball on the ground. And I like the Saints' defense. The Saints' defense really showed up and and made the Bucks' life hell. they really made Tom Brady uncomfortable back there, and maybe that's Tom Brady being 43 and not being able to uh, adjust on the fly anymore. But Derek Carr has yet to prove to me that he can also make those plays with his legs and adjust on the fly. So you know, I in theory I like this matchup for the Saints or for the Raiders because of the lack of Michael Thomas. But at the same time, there's something to be said about a veteran coach, a team that's been together for so long, really not that much turnover. Um, I do think the Saints end up squeaking this out, but I do think the Raiders are going to make this a hell of a game. This is going to be a great game, I do think. Um, But I'm going to go Saints 27, Raiders 24 on Monday Night Football. Matt, what is your official prediction?
0: Let's flip it. Raiders 27, Saints 24. Mm. I, it just Josh Jacobs. I go back. The Raiders are going to impose their will onto the Saints and that's going to control the clock. So I love the Raiders in this game. I think the Saints score a couple of garbage touchdowns to make it look better than what it
1: will be. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, the Raiders are a scrappy team. They're, they're destined for eight and eight, but they could totally win games against good teams. It would not shock me. Uh, they totally have that in personality. And like you said, Josh Jacobs is a stud, uh, proving to be one of the best running backs in the NFL uh, as we speak, which helps you have a great offensive line. So good for them. Uh, but <laughs> the Raiders are an interesting team and I can't wait to watch that game. So that's it. That's all the 16 weeks. Uh, that's all the 16 games a week two this week. But we had some football news that uh, – that had some Hall of Fame news, I should say. We have 14 first-year eligible players that made for the first time that are finalists. The biggest name on this list is Peyton Manning, which is all but a lock. I don't think anyone would be shocked about that. Uh, some wide receivers. I think Calvin Johnson is for sure going to get in here. But you have Wells Walker, Rod, Roddy White. I don't think those guys are first ballot guys. Tight end Heath Miller, I don't think he gets in. Running back Steven Jackson had a great peak of his career. Don't, don't think he's going to get in. Offensive lineman, Dipper Shaw Ferguson and Logan Mankins. I don't really know too much about how offensive lineman voting gets in, so I can't really speak on it. Defensive backs, Peanut Tillman, it's your guy, Charles Woodson. I think Woodson has a pretty good shot at this. Uh, defensive lineman Jared Allen is a great case to be made for Jared Allen. Justin Tuck, I love you, but probably not going to get in. And if he does, it's not going to be right away. And then Kevin Williams as well, Matt, what do you make of this slate of guys that uh, came out here for the hall of fame this week?
0: When you talk about top heavy, I mean, we're talking, you know, three guys off this list that are the tops, you know, top five of their position all the time with Manning at quarterback, Megatron mm-hmm. at wide receiver and Charles Woodson, who just, you know, the transition he made from cornerback to safety was Rod Woodson-esque. So I I think he has to get in. Um, I'm kind of on the fence with Jared Allen. I think you can make a case for him. Um, Logan Minkins. I really liked Logan Minkins. I thought he was really underrated, a really good offensive lineman. Um, I, I just feel like those guys that aren't locks, I'm forgetting the fourth guy I thought was a lock for sure. So I Woodson Manning, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson, megatron
1: yeah um i i, I think jared out or, or peanut tillman no He's i know i, no, I, I as, as much
0: as i love tillman um does he belong in the hall of fame I, I don't know it feels like one of those veteran committee type of picks that he'll get in yeah. i mean he for he i mean he made the peanut punch famous and i think mm-hmm. he definitely forced the most fumbles as a cornerback but really he was a system cornerback that was Excellent at what he did. I mean, Tillman was fantastic, will forever go down as one of the Bears' greats at the position, maybe the best secondary player ever, which is, you know, it's saying quite a bit for a lot of great defenses. But no, this class is just so top heavy with the greats. I just find it hard for some of these other guys to get in. Um, could kind of the same thing with Justin Tuck, like you said. I just, this class, there's no chance he gets in. Jared Allen was right. a better pass rusher anyway, so. Um, yeah. I find it hard
1: for him to get over Allen. Allen has, uh, I believe, like 180 career sacks. I mean, Allen had a hell of a career that spanned like 16 years. So Allen, I think, will be a Hall of Famer, whether it's this this year or, you know, another year. Um, Justin Tuck is similar to Peanut Tillman, where he is a Giants legend. Like, he is one of the greatest defensive players in Giants history, which when you look at the Giants history, has a ton of great defensive players. He is a captain. He helped them win two Super Bowls. He is one of the most iconic and beloved players in Giants history. But his career stats, 66 and a half career sacks, 510 total tackles, 22 forced fumbles. I mean, they're just not on the top tier level of Hall of Famers. He will always be a a Giants Ring of Honor guy. He might even have 91 retired someday as a Giants uniform, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, mean, to be a team legend, there's, there's nothing to sneeze at for that. It's just harder to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I wanted to ask you, about Megatron because we've seen guys like T.O. or Randy Moss not get in right away because of their personalities or for whatever reason. Do you think uh, Calvin Johnson retiring early will affect him getting in on the first ballot?
0: Actually, I think it probably helps him because you don't remember okay. the down years. You know, you just remember the sheer dominance of what he was. I mean, if he doesn't get in on the first ballot, there's something seriously wrong. And, and I thought T.O. should have got on the first ballot, to be honest with you. But T.O. Yeah. felt more longevity than, you know, outstanding greatness but i will say that when you had to triple and quadruple team calvin johnson and he still came down with touchdown passes that's it for me that's it you know just a really fantastic player that deserves everything that he gets
1: and you know calvin johnson will always be tied to barry sanders obviously being uh, the second player that was, you know, one of the the greatest ever to retire in the middle of their prime for the Lions. (laughs) That's always something the Lions are going to have to live with. Um, But, you know, that's a second – another Hall of Famer that you're going to have memories of at least, uh, if you can just forget that part. Um, And then a surprising Hall of Famer that came out last night, Matt. I I know you said you didn't see this, but in a really heartfelt moment, somebody I'm not the biggest fan of as far as football goes, but Joe Buck was presented the Pete Rozelle Award. I want to make sure I have that right. Yes, the Pete Roselle Award, just like his dad, Jack Buck, got years ago. Uh, and, and now he is going to be in the Hall of Fame with his dad, Jack. Uh, they presented him this video honoring him at halftime of the game last night on TNF. Um, and it was a lot to do with his dad and how he's been calling games since 94. You ask me, Joe Buck doing baseball? I love it. He's really good at doing baseball. Don't think he's the greatest football announcer by any means. But he's done this for a very long time. Him and Aikman have done this for 19 years. They're the second longest tenured Uh, play-by-play color combination in football history. So what do you make of Joe Buck getting the nod to go to the Hall of Fame?
0: There's a lot of strong feelings I have towards Joe Buck, and none of them are very warm and fuzzy. Um, (laughs) One of my lasting memories, and I I do hold this against him, when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, the game-winning call was so just – uncaring, unmotivated, just like, ah, fuck you, Joe Buck. And then his football calls with Troy Aikman, one of the most overrated booths I I can remember. I mean, I hated listening to them. Uh, I thought the Kevin Burkhart and John Lynch booth was so much better than them. And Gus Johnson does a better job than Joe Buck. I just, (laughs) Joe Buck lives off of names. And I don't want to say his dad got him the name, but, I don't think this is earned. I I, I think this is given to him. So, for a very overrated career, Joe Buck can suck it.
1: You know, for something that felt very nice and very sentimental to watch, uh, you just brought it way down for me and made me think of the worst Joe Buck memory I could think of. And Vince mentioned it in the comments as I was about to say it, but um, the greatest moment in Giants football history uh, is the helmet catch. (laughs) And Eli Manning escapes the sack and he throws the ball up and all you hear is Joe Buck say, and the ball is caught by Tyree. And that's it. There's no emotion. It is just monotone, robotic, just I I don't, he didn't even sound shocked. It's just here's just a check down throw to David Tyree. Like, no, like, this is legit one of the craziest plays in Super Bowl history, and there's no emotion, no passion coming out of your voice. So, I'll always hate him for that um but cool story nonetheless uh, you know he, he didn't even really cry which is kind of surprising to me I can't stand Aikman more than him but uh give me give me a baseball game with Joe Buck and I could tolerate it um he's he's had some bad Yankee calls in the late 90s as well but uh they won so many times I, I lose track of which one it was uh and Vince points out again uh it was nepotism which our friend Felipe also would probably agree with there So uh, congratulations to Joe Buck, I guess. And then all of the finalists will be announced, I think, in the near future, which I'm sure we'll have a whole Peyton Manning segment about that. Um, But, Matt, that's a show in the books here. Uh, I know you're struggling to get through your day here on this Football Friday, so we're going to let you go. But do you have any parting words for our audience?
0: I would just say enjoy football while it's here. But my parting words, Randy, it's not football-related. It is. Baseball-related. Congratulations to the Chicago White Sox. Little baseball life crossover here. Oh, the Yankees. We'll get on the Yankees later. But the White Sox have clinched a playoff berth since the first time since 2008. If you guys aren't baseball fans, I can tell you this, the White Sox are very entertaining. It's shaping up to be a great playoffs, Randy. We got the Yankees hitting home runs left and right. And I think, I think they just hit another one still against those. It is nuts there. The Rays clinched, the Dodgers clinched. The Padres are fun. Like, Spread your sports loving out. Like, watch a lot of football, but watch a lot of baseball, too. And watch Dong City on Mondays. Um, mm-hmm. Total bases on Sundays, right before the game. I'm um, sorry, Felipe and Sean. I, I have a lot of pre-gaming to do with the Bears and Giants game. So, <laughs> But I will listen to it on record. But catch those podcasts.
1: Fantastic. Let's go. That's a good transition. I did end up on Dong City this past Monday, right before the Giants game. I filled in for Henry. It was a good conversation with Vince good talking, some dongs, some baseball. Uh, The Yankees have won eight in a row, so I can't really complain. They are scoring runs at a a surreal pace. Uh, They're scoring more runs than the Giants are going to score points uh, in the first few weeks of the season, so can't complain about the Yankees right now. It seems like they're actually healthy for once, too, which is nice to see. So, yeah, check out those shows. Uh, Check out the step back. I mean, the NBA Finals are right around the corner here. Um, You have the Lakers and the Nuggets for the Western Conference Finals starting tonight, so make sure you check out the step back over in Ball is Life. Like you said, uh, Total Bases dong city we have pod jobbers over in wrestling life we've been meaning to get jake schwartz on the show we've just been so swamped with time i just stole your shtick there but we're gonna totally get jake on here and talk about his love time brady one of these weeks um and if you know however way you're watching us guys here you know facebook live or youtube or if you're just checking us out on the audio platforms which you know whether it's spotify apple anchor you know we greatly appreciate it you know we we love all the support you guys can give us and we're going to try to stick to this midday time on fridays because of our schedules but uh you know we uh we thank you guys so much for joining us and yeah go go Lakers go go Yankees and we'll go say go White Sox for you too right right Matt
0: You damn skippy <laughs> All
1: right guys have a great weekend enjoy week 2 of the NFL season and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday